my name is Zach, and to my right is Zach, and up above me is Troy, and somewhere over in that direction is uh, Master John. And that's the way we all became the Brady Bunch. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. If we could have done it the right way, right? Um, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Troy Sandlin and John Christian. Good evening. And then we're... Hello, hello. Hello. We are also joined by um, another Zach, a doppelganger, uh, another Zach Goins. Uh, welcome, go? Zach Goins. Uh, Thank you. A or B, take your pick. Uh, I'll pick B. Okay. All right, well, shucks. Um, <laughs> I'll pick A. <laughs> all right, there you go. Um, uh, so, so Zach A has uh, a couple Kickstarters in the works. One's getting ready to launch here in a couple weeks. Uh, so we wanted to bring him on and uh, get his take on uh, our main topic for this evening, which is going to be horror in D&D. Um, that's something that Zach knows quite a bit about, is that's what he's building towards, and uh, that's what his setting features heavily um so we're excited to have you zach thank you i'm excited to be here awesome uh before we get into horror let's talk about the madness that is inquest and any other projects that we have going on for this week um i'll lead off by saying that if you're following me on facebook or anywhere you're see all you're going to see this week and probably for this whole month <laughs> Zine Quest stuff. Um, last I counted, there are 129 Zine Quest zines on the docket for February. Jeez. Um, so yeah, That's we're gonna heap. be uh, we're gonna be going crazy, um, and I will probably back half of them. Um, hopefully, that's an exaggeration. Um, but all y'all should be going onto Zine Quest, and you should be checking it out and backing. Any one of dozens of fifth edition OSR mothership original indie games. There's a whole slew of stuff on there, and I'll post a link uh, here in the show notes and on Twitch here in just a moment, um, so everybody can see it yeah. along with us. De- definitely snag some mothership stuff. Just don't be a Zach. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oop. Oop. Can't do that. So yeah. Um, so that's what I've got. Um, I may be, I may circle back around to that here in a few minutes, but, uh, let's pass the buck over to Troy. I see that you've got a couple of things you want to talk about. Well, uh, when this episode drops, um, on Wednesday morning, Wednesday night kicks off winter fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure we got a couple people in, uh, watching us on Twitch that's going to be there this weekend. Uh, The three of us are going to be running some stuff all weekend long. Um, If you can, jump on, uh, you know, the Baldwin game site and get you some tickets for Winter Fantasy. That's right. It is a blast. Mm -hmm. 100%. Um, The other thing is uh, something that just kind of came across my radar today. 
Legendary Kingdoms Crown and Tower. Uh, it's Ooh. a Kickstarter that's not live yet. It's, it's going to start soon. Um, but this is a solo play uh, campaign. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of like the whole can't get a group together, can't find anybody to DM, a DM that can't find players, which I can't imagine a DM that can't find players. But uh, <laughs> Or if you just don't like people. You can uh, get this get this book back this Kickstarter and it's an actual campaign and uh, this I guess is their second one. Um, well, and, who doesn't who doesn't not like people? So, well, that's fair. <laughs> that's that's very fair. Hang on, I'm, I'm still putting that one together. <laughs> I was I was gonna say something funny like or silly like you know scientifically proven that people are actually the worst, but I'm still trying to noodle on that's that one. Good. Figure that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's know, science. I'm a veteran of the service industry. Oh, people yeah, are the worst. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You see them out there. Uh, yeah. We're all we're all with you there. Gross. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's, it's, a, it's a solo campaign and they, and they they tout it as it is actually written for adults. It's not the uh, you know, the choose your own adventure book type thing geared mm-hmm. more towards kids. This is uh I love choose your own level. adventure books. I do so. too. Excuse me. Uh, I do too. Yes, excuse, but, excuse me. Moi. But you know they're saying this is a little bit more on the uh, the adult level of D and D. So I don't know. I think I might uh, think I might check it out once it goes live. That and what did you cool. say it was called? Uh, Legendary Kingdoms Crown and Tower. We've got a. We'll have a link I'll in doobly do. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll check the link then. I'll I'll throw one up here on Twitch for y'all right now too. Yeah. There we go. Um, Zach, before we go any further, do you have anything that popped up on your radar this week? Uh, I want to give you an opportunity if you had something. Yeah. Um, so I think they're actually coming, coming to a little bit of a close on their Kickstarter. Um, and actually when I first backed it, I didn't realize that it was, uh, part of it is, is, uh, authored by the guys over at, uh, WebDM, but it's the, um, Epic Legacy Tome of Foes. I'm yes. super excited about oh, yeah. that. That looks really cool. Um, I went ahead and got me a nice big special edition copy of that. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then in Zine Quest earlier today, I saw pop up um, kind of like a loosely affiliated Star Wars zine that's going to be coming out called Rebel Scum. And that is by, I've got it right here, was... Uh, no, where did it? Oh, it's all the way at the end. It's all the way at the bottom. I'll get the name. Rebel Scum. Oh, I saw this one. This one's really cool. Yeah, it looked so cool. I cannot find the name. It's called uh, um, Ninth Level by Ninth Level. Yeah, Ninth Level. That's who it is. Rebel Scum by Ninth Level. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I I backed that, and I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh, to checking that out. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's like a, a very blatant, not trying to be anything else, like knockoff Star Wars <laughs> without owning the rights to Star Wars. Yeah, um, right. And I love that the visuals, they kind of went with that retro, um, the box kind of like the, the packaging and the presentation has that like old Kenner feel. Yeah, um, So absolutely. So wait, wait. When you back it, do you just get 
an empty box and they'll send you all the stuff later. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, like uh, the original. That would be awesome, actually. I would do that. Um, yeah. That's a great idea. They should have done that. I'll, I'll message them and say, hey, why yeah. don't you send us like an empty package that has a picture of your zine in it. Yes. <laughs> but, and, you know, and then just say, coming three years later. I'll take 10% yeah. yeah. for that idea. Thanks. That's, that's a brilliant <laughs> idea. Ah, uh, you heard it here, folks. Uh, that's great. I'm I'm so pleased. Um, awesome. All right, uh, I, I'll throw this out. I know that I've already got Troy suckered into this one. Yeah. Um, this is a big Kickstarter. If you haven't seen it yet, um, it came as a little bit of a surprise to me. I didn't know that this was launching until about a week ago. Um, but Privateer Press has launched Iron Kingdom's Requiem. Uh -huh. for 5th edition. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a core rulebook, Adventure Path, uh, hardcover. Um, uh, what's it called? A Monsternomicon. Monsternomicon, a GM screen, maps, uh, all sorts of things. They're already at like uh, $400,000 or something stupid <laughs> like that. Um, and there's a reason for it. It's yep. Privateer Press. It looks amazing. Troy, I want you to kind of talk for half a moment about it, though, because this is, this is something you've been in love with for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, so those of you that know, that have listened to maybe a couple of these shows, as much as John bangs the Dragonlance drum, <laughs> I am right behind him with, with the Eberron trumpet. Um, I love so Eberron. you heard it here first, folks. I beat, he blows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not editing that out. This just went PG-13. Uh, I apologize. That's, <clears throat> Sorry, that's an old militarism that I that I brought back out there. That is fantastic. Oh, that's, anyway, that's, I'm, re I'm repping my tr my drum and bugle corps. Right, folks. Right. They know what they know. What's up? They know where that came from. They know what's up. Uh, Eberron is, you know, kind of a kind of crisp and clean, and and you know, magic. Everything is magic everywhere. Trains and, and flying airships and things like that. And the technology base is magic. And you get the pulp and the noir. Well, Iron Kingdoms is the flip side of that coin. Uh, there's there's things that are still being run on mag by magic, but it's also with steam and grease and dirt and grime. And there's wars and you've got steam jacks that are like right warforged that mages control and these things clash together and trolls and ogren and all this kind of stuff uh out there beating each other up firearms all of all of the dirty gritty steamy steampunky stuff that you love with magic mixed in and robots and yeah i i did not even realize this was uh, going to be kickstarted so thank you to Zach for uh, for dropping this in, and he just cost me a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's my job. <laughs> it so, was kind of uh, like a surprise. It just kind of like yeah. It w I didn't hear any news about it, um, and it just kind of it popped up in my feed the other day, and I was like, ooh. And it, yeah. and of their of their a hundred thousand dollar goal, they are setting. Oh, we just went up a little bit more. Uh, over uh, three hundred fifty eight thousand dollars. There mm. we go. And oh, you've got geez, 10 days. Please. 10 days. So as of this recording, so when this is gone live, you're going to have about eight days from when, when this episode drops. Mm -hmm. So make it happen. Snap make it. Make it happen. 
Um, definitely, that'll be something you can pick up later too. I mean, Privateer oh, yeah. Press. It's oh, going to yeah. be everywhere. Um, but get and it while it's happening. The artwork happening. is beautiful. It's so evocative of of the of the dirt and the grime. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Shovel it in. Uh, okay, let's see. We've got one more before we get on to our more horror topic. You know what? This is a horror topic. So, John, John coming in with a thematic topic. Right. Um, this is going to dovetail really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay, this, all this does, uh, Unearth Arcana, first one of 2021, this just reinforces my suspicion of what we're going to end up getting out of 2021 in regards to either an adventure or a campaign setting or something like that. The domains of dread, some kind of a Ravenloft expansion because they went with Gothic lineages and a Gothic Mm -hmm. lineage is kind of like a bolt on to a character at first level or it's, you know, you could probably actually do it at other levels too. Um, no, it actually says specifically at first level. At first level, you could be a Dompier, which is a half vampire, uh, or Hexblood, or Reborn. And so the Hexblood kind of goes into um, uh, Hags and Hag Covens, mm-hmm. whereas the Reborn is almost like a, a Revenant, a Crow, back uh, back for vengeance, back for justice, back, back for, for whatever. And it's actually, a lot of these UAs, they, I was telling the guys before we started recording that they feel kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of neat, right? And that's and that's about it. And I'm really not going to do much else with it. I kind of like the direction they're going in with this. You know, this is not... There's there's some good balance here because there are some negatives and some positives. But overall, there's some pretty neat stuff that, that comes with this, uh, with, like, with the reborn origin or the reborn traits, dark vision, deathless nature, knowledge from a past life, those kind of things. So... It's almost like uh, the character, the first level character, gets kind of a boost in, in regards to like ba- like the balance scale. It's a little beefier mm-hmm. than than the average level one in regards to traits, abilities, and things like that, which I think is okay. You know, as, mu- as much as I love this game for how balanced it is, um, I also I don't mind the old school. You know, the wizard is made out of glass until around level five, and then they become this like world breaking threat. Or, mm. or as they scale up and up and up and up, and they mm-hmm. just they they start to span away from the fighters and the, the meleeers who were so effective at the earlier levels, right? So yeah, throwing some of the balance off in, in favor of theme, I'm totally cool with that. Have you guys seen this yet? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've not I looked l- at it yet. So there's a couple things that jump out real quick. One, uh, size wise, because this is a this is a cursed character basically or you know mm-hmm. it can come from a different a bunch you don't originate as a dampier often or you don't originate as a hexblood you are cursed or become that way you can mm-hmm. choose on any of these three to be either medium or small size which i thought was interesting mm-hmm. and then um also what i found interesting uh that's brand new as a mechanic and i think is going to have some very interesting consequences um with the Dampir, you are considered both humanoid and undead. With mm-hmm. a Hexblood, you are considered both humanoid and fey. And with a uh, Reborn, you are considered humanoid as well as construct or undead. And you choose which one of those when you take it. Mm-hmm. To me, like those are, may seem like small things, but we've never had a race, as far as I can tell, an official race, where you could pick your size category. So that's new, and it's going to be in all three. 
And then we've mm-hmm. never had a race that has had multiple, a playable race that's had multiple types, I don't think. Uh-huh. Um, even, I think even goblins are classified as humanoids in the races. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. goblinoid, which I know is not is like a subtype of humanoid, but it, it's weird. Um, I think if this was in play, this this wording was in play eight years ago, we would have had goblins, humanoid and goblinoid or whatever, just for the purpose of rule. So, Right. And, it, yeah. and it's obviously for, for thematic flexibility is one of the reason yeah. why they put the, the medium and the, and the small options in there. Because and let me clarify too. I think I may I may have misspoken, or I didn't I didn't say it correctly. This is not a not a template that you lay on top of an existing race. This is right. this is effectively a replacement for your what is what you have now. What we call races now, right? So yep. instead of being a human or whatever, you are a human or a all of the traits that you, you gain were. from being a dwarf are bypassed, and instead you are one of these lineages instead. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you take like the, the, like your physical characteristics can be that of a dwarf, right. but then you just lay on like the additional Dampere characteristics. The part mm-hmm. of it that's interesting to me is what Zach was talking about the dual types, which weirdly enough, when, when I first started reading about it, kind of reminds me of, you know, took me back to my like younger years playing uh, Pokemon when they first introduced like the dual type Pokemon and like how. It's interesting to me how that's going to affect like certain health, certain spells and attacks can or cannot affect you if you're yeah. undead or construct and humanoid, you know. It'll be interesting to see how how that Turn plays undead, out. Man. Turn undead, don't have exactly. a in your party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, also, that would be amazing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, also a big note. There are no ability scores notated, even as suggestions, mm-hmm. in these races. Yep. It's one hundred percent directed that you pick a plus two and you pick a plus one. You, there's not a discussion of it. Um, same with languages. You are expected to select common plus one other language of your choice that you and your DM agree on. Um, there's not a there's not a new Dampier language or a new hex. You know you don't you don't get Sylvan if you're the hex blood. It's that so well this kind of it feels like this is a, a direct um a direct a, a um assertion of the design philosophy that came out of tosh's mm-hmm. yes yeah. it's like infinite flex or not infinite but like flexibility it's like don't worry about even if you were even if you were a dwarf with a con and a strength bonus or a con and a wisdom bonus don't worry about it. it's whatever you want it to end up being in, in the in the first place right mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Is there anything else we need to talk about here? I like this article. It's short and sweet. Um, It's just the three races and they're interesting. Um, But there's, you know, I would recommend that everybody go check it out for themselves. It's probably not something that that you're going to want to use in a lot of games, but when you're up for a horror game, this might be something that you're into. Mm -hmm. If you're going to play Ravenloft, just drop this in. And you'll who doesn't want to be who, do, who doesn't want to be Vampire Hunter D? To be a dog <laughs> no, player, right? Blade the only thing you're now. the only thing you're missing though is you're not going to have the hand that talks to you and eats dirt and brings you back to life. That's yeah. That's sad. That's sad, sad, sad ac- missing. When this first dropped, I actually messaged Zach because I saw it and my heart sank. I was like, "This is so cool." I was like, <laughs> "And this is like, this 
treads on a lot of things that we've been working on, or at least a few few of the bigger aspects of what we've been working on. And it's like, and it's so cool. <laughs> and then he, you know, he helped me feel better about it. And but yeah, it's it's really well, awesome. I, I mean, really, all this stuff that we're talking about is all treading on stuff. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, this, that, this mm-hmm. is just reaffirming the fact that some of us have cool ideas. <laughs> that that's also true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and somewhat someone mentioned to me, they were like, are there any really new ideas under the sun, though? And I was like, that's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. Are there really any new ideas in D&D? Uh, I, would, I would venture, I guess, to say no, if you go plumb the depths of all the additions and everything. It's just a ma- matter of, like, how cool can you make the idea that you stole from somewhere else? <laughs> plumb like, the depths? Go plumb D&D Beyond in their homebrew section. You will exactly. find some of the weirdest, most obscure things that oh, you yeah. never thought of. Oh, yeah. You're like, yeah. why? Why would the? Where would you ever use this? And you, and you better. <laughs> Who is this for? Oh yeah, I want to know where some what some of these campaigns are. It's like, you made a, you made a what? <laughs> yeah. What, exactly. What's this for? <laughs> well, speaking of what's this for and uh, weird stuff, let's get into talking about some horror, uh, mm. specifically. Uh, Zach, you uh, have a uh, a startup company called Stoneworks Gaming. Uh-huh. Uh, you kind of drafted a uh, a plethora of talent from across the DMs Guild and uh, beyond to uh, kind of coordinate some different, several different projects for you centered around your own horror setting. Uh-huh. Um, I know we're, we probably won't touch on it much today. I'd like to have you back on closer to time, but you've got a big setting book and a whole launch kind of like iron kingdoms uh Mm -hmm. in some ways planned for later this year um but you also have a zine that is launching on the 13th correct um it's called lights of winthrop manor and i would like for you to kind of just walk us through what is lights of winthrop manor as a product and maybe what was your inspiration from it what does it pull from gotcha Okay, um, so the first one you said is just kind of walk us walk through what it is. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a level zero haunted house, like kind of like an escape room type adventure. Um, so nine people are invited to dinner at this old, thought to be abandoned house um, in one of the more prominent cities in the setting. Um, and when they arrive, there's no one there. Um, they sit down to dinner, time passes, and then they are prompted to start looking throughout the house. Um, there's some hinky things going on with the house, even though it looks all nice and looks very, like someone has come in and thoroughly renovated the place. Um, the more they look around and the more they start to encounter things, the more the house, the illusion on the house slowly starts to fade and they find themselves having to escape with their lives, basically. Um, And we're using the commoner core system that you drafted that you were kind enough to lend out to me to use for this. Very grateful for that. And that was a big, I, I mean, I really, I wouldn't be doing this specific kind of adventure um, if it weren't for that, because 
in D&D, doing a haunted house is kind of a hard thing because you... It can't really be scary. You encounter haunted houses all the time. There's ghosts, there's this, there's that everywhere. So, with the players being level zero, and it's you're not here to fight these things, you're here to run from them, a haunted house seemed like a great opportunity to kind of take that and actually use it effectively uh, to to do some horror stuff. So, mm -hmm. that, was, that was a lot of fun. So, uh, moving into your next question, that's kind of what spawned it was getting, I was thinking what would be something fun to do with level zero and it was, well, doing haunted houses in a scary way is not something that is easy to do in D&D, &D, so let's shoot for that. Um, what I drew from, I mean that's, it's hard to pinpoint any one thing specifically. I watch a lot of horror movies, um, and there's a there's a lot of haunted house horror movies. Um, the Haunting of Hill House would have been a good inspiration. Um, there's some stuff with locked doors and things like that 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 may have been drawn from there. Um, man, I can't even really pinpoint exactly. It's at this point, it's just kind of like it all kind of runs together in my head. Um, but if you've seen a haunted house movie that scared you, chances are I've probably seen it too, and I probably drew a little bit of inspiration from it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. John is also, I think, our resident horror aficionado in some ways here on the channel. So. Um, well, he's definitely creepy. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ask anyone; they'll they'll tell you the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I love. I'm kind of specific for me, right? I'm not a gross-out horror guy. I'm a cerebral. I like. I like. Get, I'd rather have the heebie-jeebies than uh -huh. be scared or, you know, shocked. Especially shock. I'm, I'm not into shock horror at all. Right. Look, Rob Zombie. Look, man. Uh, he's he has his place inside of entertainment, but like to me, whenever it's just gruesome, brutal, blood guts. And like, okay, the people that like it, and if you're into it, then that's fine. That just doesn't doesn't do it for me. I'm a I'm a carpenter guy. I need like a oh, good yeah. slow burn. I don't mind that like the first sixty percent of the of the movie or the story is just a crapload of exposition or just the creeps, and then all of uh -huh. a sudden the the monster comes out. You know, that's I love that. It's the stuff out of the corner of out of out of the corner of the eye. Yeah, that kind of gets me. And that's that's like. Specifically, these days, like Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, uh, Panos Cosmatos, those guys are doing—they're doing the best stuff in horror right now, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. When it comes to horror films, um, one thing that I'll drop that has not a whole lot to do with D and D, real quick, but has a lot to do with horror in general, and something that I probably drew some heavy inspiration from is if you haven't checked out the channel Alter on Facebook. I highly recommend it. They're horror shorts. They range anywhere from five to like 20 minutes. It's some of the best horror you can find out there. And I highly recommend it. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, I love, I love short films. Uh -huh. Yeah, like uh, like a sci-fi shorts from Dust. I don't know if you guys uh -huh. have ever seen that channel or not. I love those. So short films, horror. It's gonna, that's cool. Alter? Uh -huh. Alter.
Yeah. Check that out. yeah, Neil um Neil Blomkamp has a YouTube. I you, if you guys probably remember him from yep. District Nine. Oh yeah. Uh, his called oh, yeah. um something oats, um white oats studios maybe or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube. Uh, he puts out some horror shorts that are in the sci-fi vein. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe one they're every really six good. months, and they're pretty great. Yeah. 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 So ditto on all that um i really like so I'll, I'll bring it back to winthrop for a moment and your setting at large one of the ideas that you have that i enjoy a lot is the idea of uh terrible ties uh -huh. and i know we, we don't have to get into it a lot but i like the idea that um characters that start in your larger campaign you encourage them to have a tie in with a uh horrific um uh gothic monster basically uh -huh. a, a vampire or maybe even a mummy or a hag or something like that they have a tie-in with this type of creature from the beginning from level one uh -huh. um i think that that's a fun thing that a uh, fun concept that you had it's going to really change uh the idea of what a party looks like uh -huh. and what a character looks like at level one when you already have this connection this sense of dread this sense of this past and history uh -huh. With a with a darker individual, um, it's going to set the tone right out the gate. I like that idea. Um, I'm excited for maybe like, I thought it was cool that people that play this level zero, um, potentially, and then dive into your larger campaign at level one. Perhaps this could be a, a starting point or the history for that terrible tie. Yeah, um, and I like that synergy there a lot as well. I think that. Um, Anything that we do as storytellers within RPGs that gets both play and mechanics and narrative merged tighter together, where your character's background isn't just something that you wrote down because it gives you good pluses, uh -huh. but it's something that you actually have an idea of how it happened in your head. I really like that. And so The Terrible Ties is a, a great portion of that, a new portion of that for me. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. And so the zine, um, as I mentioned, will come with nine pre-generated characters. Um, and we're doing that simply because we have a lot of new sub-races and background options that we're going to be releasing in the larger setting that we want people to be able to play around with now that they necessarily wouldn't have access to for the zine if they just wanted to go and create right their on. own character. So. But say, for instance, if you have a copy of the zine and later on when the larger book comes out, it'd be easy enough just to, you know, get rid of the pregen characters and make your own. And this, you know, the zine would be make for a great starting point for one of those characters going out later into the campaign and that being their terrible tie. Awesome. Whether it awesome. be the, the, you know, the fiendish one or incorporeal undead i think would be both be great options for this one very cool um let's talk for half a moment here um and then we'll get into the horror but i kind of want to wrap up our talk of your zine with a couple of notes um mm -hmm. for people that are tuning in this is going to be kind of a preview of what you're going to find um but we want you to kind of know what you're getting in for uh uh right from the start so Ballpark wise, um, I think we can safely say that that the PDF of this product is going to be eight dollars when it launches <laughs> on the thirteenth again, 
and that you can get the full adventure uh, and the zine form for 16 bucks. Uh-huh. Uh, there's going to be higher tiers with more exclusive offerings. Um, and I'll encourage everybody to uh, dive in uh, on the 13th and look at those. Um, but at its core, 16 bucks for a physical copy and PDF or 8 bucks for a PDF, um, which I think is very reasonable if you're getting a whole adventure out of it. Yeah. And uh, you talked to me about, I don't want to give away too much, but so players, if you think you're going to buy this for your DM, tune out, but you talked to me about like the map, the house is maybe going to move, like the rooms are going to shuffle around. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just going to be a house map, but there'll be some mechanics for how to really make it that weird haunted aspect where you open one door and then when you turn around to go back to that same door, uh, you go, you're stepping into somewhere else. Oh, Correct. And... And actually, so we kind of, um, so for those who don't know, the our original writer had to drop out, and I was able to reach out and contact JVC Perry, um, and he's now taken over doing the adventure for this. And I was actually talking with him earlier today, and we were discussing a few things, and he actually suggested that, you know, given the size that the map's going to be, it's a house stepping out of the room and not being where you were before, you're, you're still in a house. It wouldn't be too hard to get back to where you need to go rather quickly. Uh, so what he actually suggested was that the players are the ones in charge of moving the rooms in order to escape the house, like an actual escape room. You have That's to cool. do certain things to access different rooms because there is a door in the bottom of the cellar that the players have to collect three keys to unlock to even get out of the house. The front door is sealed and they cannot get out of it. They can't break the windows, they can't... The only way out of the house is through the cellar because there's nothing blocking the cave underneath the house that's in the side of the hill to prevent them from getting out. So they need those keys to get out. And um, I'm sure it'll be a lot cleaner when he writes it up. Um, Ah. Not sound quite so gimmicky but that's that's the gist of it well jvc is a great dms guild writer uh Mm -hmm. very prolific um and it you you have reminded me with that discussion you have reminded me of one of my favorite al adventures eberron 3 um and the house that you must go into the cellar there for different reasons and it's different flavor um but that it Troy ran that adventure last week for his party. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. Yeah, we didn't get all the way through it. So, yeah. Yeah, and the the beauty of having a cellar <laughs> in a creepy house is that it'll be the last place they go uh-huh. and it's the place they should have gone first, right? Yeah. Like that's Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think to quote one of my players, it was I want to go out and check that door. Where 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 does it go? It's like, well, you open the door, you look at it and it's and it's just a dark staircase going down probably to the to the cellar. Nope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because nobody ever wants to go down no. there. Why, no, no. The reasonable no response from any character in a horror movie that never actually happens. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's like that. Have Have you all seen that? Uh, I think it's a Geico commercial, or I don't remember what what the commercial is for. But it's it's the kids that uh, are are running out of the haunted house, and they're like, 
we where do we go? Where do we go? And and oh, yeah, the yeah, one yeah, girl's yeah. like, why don't we just go to the running car? And they're like, no, <laughs> let's hide behind <laughs> the chainsaws. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I love yeah, that or the, the old the old Eddie Murphy horror movie or the the haunted house where he uh, he would uh, the his bit I think it's for like a, some of his stand up where he goes, you know I don't understand why some people in these movies they're like you know they get in there and there's like blood pouring out of the walls and oh baby it's just beautiful look at the look at the look at the flowers <laughs> look at all this other stuff right and then all of a sudden it, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear get out all right baby we got to go yeah that's <laughs> and that's just that's it right yeah <laughs> uh well uh again i would encourage anyone listening uh those of you who are listening to uh go ahead and check out the light of winthrop manor on Kickstarter. It's launching on the 13th, but you can go right now. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, you can right, go right, right now. It, Zach. Perfect. Hey, well, perfect. There you go. You get it twice. Um, and get notified when it goes live. Uh, you won't be disappointed. There's already some amazing art with it, um, and I can't wait to add it to my shelf. And, and before we Thank move you. on, I just, want, I just wanted to say, before I even knew Zach, that you were going to be on the show or that uh-huh. you were even associated with uh, the lights. Uh, I had already f- found it somehow and really? signed up. So I'm like, oh, this sounds, this sounds really cool. So I, yeah, I'm already ra- waiting to get notified of when it goes live. And then Zach's like, hey, I'm going to have the guy on with the thing. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Me too. So we... We've already kind of started this discussion, but I thought while Zach was here, this would be a perfect uh, time to talk some more horror. Um, if you have been listening to our podcast for the past two months, um, we have kind of been talking about horror in that we have kind of thoroughly hashed out on multiple occasions Rime of the Frostmaiden. I don't, I don't think we've thoroughly, thoroughly hashed it out yet. I don't know that we thir- well certainly if you count all of the times that we've ended the podcast and then spent another forty five minutes talking about we've hashed it oh, out right yeah. Yeah. oh yeah yeah we've shot the dead horse multiple times and then we <laughs> buried it dug it back up shot it again then reburied it yep um, I've got my shovel that being said <laughs> I'm sure that we will not avoid doing it again exactly we're gonna dig it up probably tonight um, but. By and large, I think that we should keep it kind of to maybe two points of top, points of discussion. First off, what makes bad horror in an RPG? What makes horror become less so? Um, when the intent is horror, how does it get away from that? And then kind of the follow-up to that is, what makes a really good horror story or a horror adventure in RPGs? What elements do we really, really like and that we feel like translate really well? Because not everything translates from your favorite horror film or book or whatnot right. to to pl- sitting around a table and playing uh, with a group. So let's see. Let's start with John. I, it's because you're taking a drink, and that seemed appropriate. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What do you think? What do you think kills it for you from horror? What doesn't translate well into RPGs? That's, it is probably the thing that killed horror for me back in the eighties. <clears throat> as soon as you start winking at the camera, um, it mm. is the when it turns to camp, then it, it takes the teeth out of uh, 
it takes the teeth out of the beast. Uh, so mm. uh, one of the one of the guiltiest things that I see these days is that you just don't go ahead and just play it straight all the way through. You try to build in points of levity for people to take a breather. Um, I think that at the tables, that's that's something that's going to ha- naturally happen, where people are going to crack wise, make jokes, and things like that. You don't need to. I don't think it needs to be built into the campaign at all. Uh, but it's because as soon as you start doing that, you do it at the wrong time, uh-huh. right? If, the, if, mm-hmm. if they, they're if they're not need, they don't may not have needed it at that point. They've already done their you know toilet humor or fart jokes or something like that like 15 minutes ago, and you were just getting to the good stuff, and you kind of had them. Uh, had them pulled in, and all of a sudden, you've got ice skating walruses in a cave. <clears throat> uh, d- don't check that reference. Uh, it's out there, <laughs> but it's Ram real. Right with the Ross yeah. uh, But it's it's just it ta- it it takes you out, right? And immersion is like to me is one of the most important things in horror. Is you uh-huh. need to kind of it's got to feel the stuff that's going on around you, and it is a breadcrumb trail to get a person there. And it's almost like uh, it's like hypnosis, almost where it's like you have to. It's this very slow, methodical descent into uh, into the the vibe, and then it's mm. you can get shocked right out of it. And I think that yeah. that's what that's the thing that does it instantly is whenever you make it a joke, like put clown horns honking in the distance for no reason. I'm talking to you, Halloween Five. Um, <laughs> When it, like when it turns campy, it just turns really stupid, and it's yeah. and it's you don't take the story seriously anymore, and it pulls you out of it. It's like oh, oh, that's what this is. Now you're going to start expecting it, mm-hmm. and now you're not. Now you can't get back into the groove of the whole thing. So that's that's my that's my two cents on it. Yeah, mm. I would say that as a note, when you talk about you know levity and being careful with that in horror, I, some of my I'm not a I'm not a super horror. Uh, aficionado. I'm certainly not mm-hmm. an aficionado. Um, some of my favorite horror, though, in the last few years has come from the uh, comedy horror genre. Um, I will watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil oh, yes. any so day good. of the week. It's so um, good. Um, and and I watched um, a couple of years ago, well, 2019, um, there was a movie that came out called Ready or Not. I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but it was a... It was a, um, it was in the same vein of like dark comedy horror, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was in a single house it happens over a single night, and it has a weird it's a weird take on hide and seek as on a really demented hide and seek. Yes. Oh. yes, yes, now I know yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I loved that movie by and large um, when I saw it back then and. So I will say that like you can definitely do levity and you what but what you were saying John I think is perfect which is the levity needs to be baked into the actual um immersive story and mm-hmm. not something that you do to lift someone out of something right like right. um Tucker and Dale versus Evil especially is not trying to freak you out the whole time right, right. um right. and so when it does horror or when it does comedy bits it's not lifting you out of anything that you were already in. It just, 
It's just keeping you in the same space. Yes. Okay, it's kind right. of having fun. We all know well, that we're having fun like, from the very beginning. It's, the, it's a dark comedy, though, right? It's it's not a, like a upbeat, light. It's not coming to America or, you know, whatever. It's, well, it is. That, I ahead. think that's what makes Tucker and Dale work. Because from Tucker and Dale's aspect, that's exactly what it is. It is a lighthearted buddy comedy. Right. Uh, and this, I don't know. There's a lot of people that I, I guess haven't. Or don't know this about Tucker and Dale. If you have the DVD, you can rewatch the movie from the kids' perspective. Yeah, yeah. And it's it makes it even better because you see what they see, and it's just these two redneck country bumpkins that look like they're going to eat them for dinner. <laughs> and all of the, it is it's great. It just reinforces the whole. You know, perspective. It's like it's just a different different perspective. And here you got I would say, poor Tucker well, I, and Dale. I would, I would, our, my argument is <clears throat> that that kind of a, a that's a subgenre, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily yeah. horror. Whenever and it, maybe it's a li- like self limitation. When you say horror, you're trying to go for scares, creepiness, darkness. You yeah. know, give people the heebie-jeebies kind of thing. Tucker and Dale is. If you, look, Alan Tudyk is in it, man. Okay, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's brilliant and a genius. But I'm not. I'm not. If I go into it, I'm not expecting to actually be scared in that movie at all. Oh, right? Yeah. So it's, right. It's kind of. It it's always. Fantastic. It's tongue in cheek, and it lampoons horror movies. Is what it does. But it's yes. not. I wouldn't call yes. it a horror movie, though. Oh yeah. Or horror. Uh, right. Zach, what do you feel like uh, the pitfalls are of trying to write uh, or, or run uh, horror in RPGs? I would say one of the things is. And that there are certain companies that can kind of shirk this, but kind of staying in your lane. Um, you'll notice, like, if you look at Barovia, there's not Dragonborn walking around everywhere. The only Dragonborn is if you're playing one. You know, there's, you know, it shirks all the fantasy elements typically found in the Forgotten Realms. Um, you're not going to run into a, you know, a red dragon. You're not going to run into a bunch of furbolgs. Um... And obviously, the the exception to something like this would probably be like Warhammer 40k, where while it's not, I wouldn't necessarily call it a straight up horror setting. Definitely, I feel like is the progenitor of like the grim dark type setting in general. Everyone and is it, a cultist. Yeah, <laughs> everyone is a cultist. Like, heretic. And everyone is a cultist. Everyone's a heretic. Everyone's a yeah. cultist. <laughs> but you st- at the same time, you still have like the Tao and everything like that and it it does get a little sci-fi-ish and fantasy mixed in there but so it's not to say that you can't do that but it's find your lane and stick to it and don't let things get too fantastical um if you're going to let things be fantastical don't go for something super dark to begin with you know there are ways that you can use that type of subversive element from the get-go um like starting off with like a Feywild Feywild adventure where you think that everything is everything appears to be fantastic and colorful and beautiful and bright and then slowly subverting that over time um but if you're going to present something as horror on its face um I guess that's just find your lane and stick to it and and really don't 
don't try to pack too much into it as far as uh, your building blocks for RPGs. Hmm. I really like that thought that because what it comes back to is that horror requires us to be immersed, like John said, and to kind of have that suspension of disbelief, right? Um, if it's going to work on you, it's because it's going to evoke an emotional response. Yeah. And the only way that we get that is when we're immersed and it's hard to get immersed when you as a player can't easily visualize and put yourself in your character shoes and just kind of sit there and mm -hmm. experience the world around you. Um, when you're having to imagine like, okay, what does a Kuatoa look like? Mm -hmm. Um, it, that might take some folks out of the horror aspect of everybody knows what a mummy looks like. Yeah. Um, Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Well, so an another one. I'll let me add one more that uh, that Zach helped me think of the fantastical elements in an RPG, especially in a in a D and D. Right. Let's I'll use D and D as a, as a primer for it. Um, one of the pitfalls is power mm -hmm. and how much yeah. the players have yes. in their hands. Yep. Right. That was exactly Very much. What I was going right. to say. Kick the door open. Like Pennywise is behind there. There's nothing that a fireball won't solve whenever <laughs> right. Pennywise is around. Right. I can yeah. deal with that with like you know with uh, my forpal blade or and that's why you see in in Ravenloft in the Curse of Strahd in particular how it's how low power it is. There how scant the magical items are. The, the consumable magical items, potions and things like that are so hard to come by. Uh, because as soon as you start giving your players power, they're able to bypass the creepiness because there's nothing I can't handle, right? Yeah. I've, got yeah. the, I've got the power suit, or I've got the, like, to your point with Warhammer uh, 40K, I've got, I'm the I'm a Marine, and I've got, yeah. my, I got my suit of armor, and, unless, right, it, it, the, and at that point, whenever it's so powerful, when it's a physiological thing that they can deal with, that they can burn lightning bolt, slice, dice, whatever... The way that you have to, the direction you veer in is it has to become psychological and it has to become yeah. metaphysical. And that's one of the things that Call of Cthulhu just excels at. Like that is far and away the, the scariest RPG I've ever played. Mm. And you get a you get a DM who really knows how to run it. You will you will leave with a little bit of skin crawling after well, playing in, some sessions in that, of that. In, in Call of Cthulhu, death is a relief. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The madness, yeah. madness <laughs> is worse than death. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by far. I, I think that, John, you hit it nail on the head. I, I only know of one game that I've ever ran or played in. Uh, it was a kind of a one-shot at a con where Tier 3 became scary, right? Um, and mm -hmm. I won't name the module, so you'll be surprised if it happens. But the reason it became scary was you were going into an illithid den... But in order to hide from the elder brain, you had to have a ceramorph, uh, like a tadpole, implanted in you. So you were becoming an illithid, thus the elder brain didn't recognize you as a humanoid. Um, and so you had a ticking time clock to get through the adventure, or you became an illithid and you died. And all of the powers on your character sheet could not stop you from getting... Uh, uh, transformed um within that time slot that to me really worked and that comes back to that like uh, psychological horror we got into the players heads because we bypassed their abilities right um, um that's super hard to do though so hard especially 
um, especially like tier three and above. Once you hit past tenth level, and oh yeah, are, you're not you're just you're not scaring anybody. That's one of mm-hmm. the hardest things as a DM to do, in my experience, and and one of the things that you know we've kind of been talking about is is and trying to figure out is it's easy to present players with something and them say well yeah my character is scared of this it's another entirely to instill genuine fear in the player yep yep yeah 100 percent. if you're talking what's the what's the biggest downfall for a, a horror uh adventure is sad to say D D. Yeah. If, if, because yeah. I mean, I mean, bless the people that could actually pull it off. Because I mean, a lot of people have tried, and very few have succeeded in making an adventure that is actually scary. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Just like what Zach was talking about earlier, how we've beaten Rhyme of the Frost Maiden up one side and down the other. It was promised as scary, and there's maybe two three moments in that adventure that I mean unless you rework the heck out of it. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. but then you can also look at where where the dead weight, the Eberron module, uh Armies of the Unseen. Um it's it seems to be if you can pull it off in D D, it's in a that module. Becomes a memorable. It's, it, it's in yeah. a single yeah. four hour well, module. Death House. Death House. Yeah. Death House. Mm-hmm has become a, an instant classic as a re, as a result of it. Yeah, and they're and they are generally low level because of like what John said, you got that power creep. Yeah. W- when the characters are scarier than the things that are, you know, going bump in the night, yeah. what are you, you going to do? Yeah. And so that for me what it really comes down to and something I've really tried to take to heart for D&D specifically, what I think in order to effectively run horror, um the most important part of it all comes down to that session zero where you talk to your players and you say, how comfortable are you like with me pushing the envelope of Mm. what is acceptable, you know, because it's not just the monsters that are scary. And if, if you're only using monsters to make things scary, then you're not using all the tools at your disposal. There are so many real world elements that are, frightening and abhorrent that you can kind of tie into to really you know first and foremost the thing about horror is pushing the boundaries of what you're comfortable with that's why we enjoy it is we're exposing ourselves to something that makes us deeply uncomfortable and disturbed um and so it's you know you have to you have to draw that line with your players is how far are you comfortable with me taking this yeah. Um, and then you you just get right up to it, and you just start poking at it. And I yeah, found been, that that I've works pretty well. But if any of my players are listening, they know. <clears throat> but I've been guilty <laughs> of going too far before in games mm-hmm. where it went from it was me trying to be you know creepy or it became disturbing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I felt like I had to push that because we we're so desensitized when mm-hmm. kids are six or seven years old and they're watching Lord of the Rings with their families, orcs, dragons, fire, violence, blood, guts, limbs being chopped off. It's like, it's hard to scare anybody in a movie these days, much less at a table. Everybody's drinking Mountain Dew and eating Cheetos. Uh, It's tough to like get people into it. So sometimes you have to 
you oh it's like an overcorrection. The pendulum yeah. goes too far yeah. in one direction. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's my bad. And you have to have that to your point. That slot zero is. Inc- I wish I'd done it with some of the other other tables. This is years ago though, where I wish I'd had that that conversation with them about it ahead of time, saying it's okay for you to tell me that I'm gone. That it's I'm un- I'm in uncomfortable territory at this point. Where uh-huh. it's it's going beyond just being um like kind of like tweaking or like poking at my fight or flight instinct and making me a little yeah. nervous versus like dredging up childhood memories or yeah. something, you know? Yeah. yeah. You don't want to push trauma on people, but you, you do want to set a baseline of where is your line and how comfortable are you? Like how far can I cross it before? Like it's too much. And what, what things specifically are just like absolutely dead stop. Like, do not put this in the campaign at all. Mm. Well, I love this topic. We are uh, pushing the boundaries of our own time limit here. Um, so I think we're going to have to call it, but I know that we're going to have you back, Zach, at some point, because we want to talk about uh, the full uh, Glenn campaign setting um, when that comes to Kickstarter here in a few months. Um, Excellent. So I really appreciate you uh, hopping on. I am deeply looking forward to Lights of Winthrop Manor. Very much um, so. And uh, we'll keep in touch, as we always uh-huh. do, across the internet. I would encourage anybody, um, real quick, that is watching or listening, to uh, go follow Stoneworks Gaming on social media. Um, they have a Patreon where you can get into their playtest and see all the cool stuff that they're working on for their campaign setting um, as they make it. And you can be a part of how that campaign setting actually evolves. Very nice. Uh, You can also get into that play test straight from the Kickstarter. So if you hop on and check that out there, you can get kind of a a back door into that play test material. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Zach, thanks again. Troy, John, thanks for hanging out one more week. Yeah, thank um, you, Zach and and Zach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zach All right. squared. Zach. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, take care. Y'all have a good game, everybody. Take care, everybody. Bye. There will be lots of creepy children in mind. And dolls. Yeah. <laughs> dolls with no eyes. Dolls with no eyes, but that show up inexplicably. Well, that's perfect. Uh, that's, uh, without giving too much away, that's one of our new monsters. <laughs> dolls with no eyes? <laughs> I'm out.